Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The Volume. It's the 3 and Out Podcast presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing User promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Happy Thursday. Well, I'm recording this on Thursday. You probably listen on Friday. I got the NFL Combine on in the background. Will Anderson, Alabama star, pass rusher, just ran the 40. Looked like a pretty good time. Broke 4-7. Some Combine thoughts. Aaron Rodgers out of the darkness retreat. Daniel Jones and the Giants. Uh, they need to figure this out before the uh, before the deadline here. Mike McCarthy opened that big mouth again. The Arizona Cardinals might be an embarrassment. We, we will dive into it all. A lot going on football-wise. This is a great time of year. It, it really is. To be a podcaster, to talk about football. I mean, the, the free agency for the next, really the next month, but I mean the next 15 days leading up to free agency, then the couple weeks of free agency, and then the draft. Uh, I, I love this time of year. Uh, I love these stories. It's the best. So we will be we'll be all over it for the next couple months, talking, you know, everything that's going on in the league. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you if you listen through Collins' feed, subscribe to the Three and Out feed. If you like golf, got you covered there as well. We have a weekly golf show. John Rom looks like a chubby Tiger Woods right now, kicking everyone's butt. Uh, the mailbag. What I think I'll do for the mailbag, I will put it out on the weekend. I think I'll do one, and we'll release it over the weekend, probably on Sunday morning. Uh, with a podcast, it doesn't, you know, you can listen on Monday or Tuesday or whatever, but at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered. Uh, I'll separate it from this show just to uh, make a clean break, and we'll just have a mailbag-only show that will come out this weekend. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Ask me any question you want. Uh, probably football related, but if you got life questions, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a therapist, but you know, I'm, I'm a weathered 38 year old seeing some, seeing some shit in my day. So firing those DMS and, uh, let's rock and roll. Uh, before we dive in to football, can I tell you about my friends at game time? I went to a spring training game on Tuesday, had some midday beers, sat down, enjoyed the sun, watched the Dodgers play the Reds. I love this new, uh, in baseball, the rapid fire. I mean, there's no waiting. Very consumer friendly. If you want to go to an event, do you want to go to a baseball game this summer? Get out in the heat. Get some sun. Get outside. I'd recommend it because the pace of play is incredible. Go to the Game Time app. Download the download the Game Time app. And then when you do sign up, first-time users, use the promo code JOHN. 
That's J-O-H-N and get $20 off. There's nothing like being at a baseball game with a cold beer. <laughs> you end up having a couple. It's I, I can't recommend it enough. Rapid fire action now with this pitch clock. It's incredible. You want to go to a hockey game? You want to go to March Madness? You want to go to a concert? I, I got a couple concerts on deck this summer. Can't wait. Uh, 2023 should be a fun year. Have some fun on me. Promo code John. That's J-O-H-N. $20 off your first set of tickets at the Game Time app. Let's dive into football. And there's obviously a major story coming out of the NFL Combine. And it's Jalen Carter, the star defensive lineman for the Georgia Bulldogs, back-to-back national champions, is involved. Uh, potentially, he's being accused, misdemeanors. I Listen, I'm not a lawyer of the tragic incident that happened on the night of the parade when a staffer and an offensive lineman on Georgia lost their life when their car crashed. He was said to have been racing them. And this story broke. I, I've talked to a lot of people that had never heard that he was involved. I've tried to get details like that night. I'd never even heard his name involved. So clearly information. He's not being accused of manslaughter or anything, but there are misdemeanors uh, for street racing, reckless driving. And this is a major problem. There's no way around it. This is a huge red flag. Now, the way football works, especially when you're an elite player, they let the process play out. But one thing that bothers me about this time of year is the media gets up in arms. And with this player specifically, there was a quote within the last month. Todd McShay, who, listen, I don't always agree with his takes on the player rankings. But one thing I know about Todd McShay, he talks to people in the NFL. So when he says there are character concerns with this player, he's not just making this up. You know who he's getting that from? General managers player personnel guys, college scouting directors. The media always gets up in arms like we live in some fucking utopia. Guess what? Not all people are good people, just like not all people are bad people. Some people have some stuff that is questionable about them. Could be maturity. It could be the way they act with others. It could just be an attitude that does not define you at 21, 22 years old. But this information all comes from people that go into the school and are told this by staffers, whether it's head coaches, assistant coaches, personnel guys now that are all over these college staffs, trainers, uh, obviously wait staff. Now, you have to, the reason you pay a general manager and a head coach is to decipher that information, to balance out what's true or not, what is fixable, and what is just the no-go zone. But Jalen Carter, who many thought was the most talented guy, I don't know, on one of the most talented defenses we've ever seen two years ago when he was an underclassman and not even draft eligible. So people thought highly of this guy for years now. And this year he had been, I would imagine, just talent in a vacuum, the number one player in this draft. But he's got red flags. And now this situation is something that I don't think anyone saw coming is one of those that you just kind of got to wait and see what happens here. But we do know now, and it's been said that he's lied to the police, or at least his story keeps changing. This is concerning. And ultimately, my take always is in the draft. 
especially when you're drafting high in the in the top ten. You want to get a sweet player, right? You you are shooting for non quarterback, a Nick Bosa, a, a Jamar Chase, a, a Lane Johnson, a Trent Williams. You know, just an elite player at whatever. A uh, Patrick Sertan. When you're drafting really high, you're trying to get an impact all pro level guy. That, that that's the number one goal. But you're also drafting the person. And here's what we know right now about Jalen Carter, the person. It's a massive red flag. And there's another player that I would imagine if we went around the NFL, that every single team would have as a player, not as a person, but as a player, Jalen Carter above Will Anderson. And I think Will Anderson is widely considered like a top five player in this draft, maybe the second best defensive player in this draft. Here's what I know about Will Anderson. He checks every box off the field. Character, work ethic, the whole thing. There, there is not a question about Will Anderson off the field. The only question I've heard about Will Anderson on, on the field, you know, he's a little under 230 pounds. We wish he was 245. Well, maybe he can put that weight on as time goes. I would lean, if I was going to not take a quarterback, one of these top drafting teams, and I'm going to take a defensive player, I'm taking Will Anderson over Jalen Carter. And it's risky because Jalen Carter could be an elite player. Hell, he already is. But he could be, you know, he's a Hall of Fame level physical talent. And you could argue Will Anderson might not be that. But I'm not risking it really high when there are major questions off the field. And this is a situation where the dude literally had to leave the combine, check himself in at, you know, walk into the jail. He was charged on a misdemeanor and then posted bail and left and came back to the combine. Like, I'm sorry, that's pretty crazy. I've been following the combine for a living now for 12, 13 years, going to it as a league employee, going to it as a podcaster, watching it when I'm not there very closely, texting with people there. That's fucking insane. That, that, that is nuts. We've seen some insane things. Reuben Foster, Alabama linebacker, was told to go home because of situations that happened during the medical checks of the combine. How'd that one work out? So I'm not saying I'm out on Jalen Carter. Obviously, he's a very talented player. You put him in pads, he's going to be good. But I don't like giving $40 million to humans that I cannot trust. So... Yeah, he's above Will Anderson. But here's what I know about Will Anderson. I can trust him. That matters a lot when it comes to the draft. I saw Adam Peters uh, sat down with my guy, Matt Barrows of The Athletic, who's been covering the 49ers for, I don't know, it feels like multiple decades now. Adam Peters is the number two for John Lynch, uh, is widely considered you know, a future GM, is interviewed for several GM jobs, almost got Carolina, almost got the Giants, and he... He does this, I think, during the combine. I've known him since I was at Fresno State. My cousin actually played with him at at, uh, at UCLA 20-plus years ago. And um, Adam told Matt Barrows something that, you know, I, I think it's, it's not outwardly talked about a lot. Uh, John Schneider has gone down this road sometimes in his press conferences, but it's just it's something that's talked about in league circles, and it depends on the draft. But he told Matt Barrows that he thinks there are 15 – First round level players in this draft. And, you know, it kind of jumped out to me. Now, John Schneider has been saying this for years. And for a long period when the Seattle Seahawks were really good, right, when they were competing for one Super Bowl, went to another one, and were going to the playoffs, they're always drafting in the mid to late 20s, sometimes 31 or 32, right? And what did they often do? 
They either traded for a player with that pick or they traded back into the second round. And one thing John Schneider always said, in a good draft, there might be 20 first-round players. Well, if I'm drafting at 28 or 31, more than likely, I'm drafting a player in the first round. I'm giving him a first-round contract, but he's not a first-round talent. Now, it to make a trade, it takes two to tango. You can't just trade because you want to trade out. No one wants to trade out. If there's no player to trade for, there's nothing you can do. But this is pretty simple. Now, this draft might be deep. Might be pretty good in the top like 100, 150. But it's pretty clear if you listen to this and you watch a lot of college football, there ain't a bunch of Micah Parsons and Jamar Chases and Nick Bosa's in this draft. So when he says 15 first-round talents, several of those are quarterbacks. So my thing has always been, and I've always believed this in baseball, I will always trade prospects for elite players. If I can trade for a Mookie Betts, if I can trade for a Juan Soto, if I could trade for, back in the day, CC Sabathia or Randy Johnson or whoever, I will always trade my sweet prospects who the majority of... I was just at a spring training game, and when the starters... is, I, I'd never been to a spring training game in my life. I went to watch the Dodgers and the Reds. And the Dodgers, when I got there, hell, I was 40 minutes late. And it was already in the fifth inning. I'm like, God, I lo- God, props to you, man, Fred. I love this. This is... This is what we've been asking for. No one wants to watch a seven-hour baseball game. Get that thing two and a half hour, I'm in. And Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Muncie and all those guys were playing. And then like the fifth inning, they all just leave. And like the prospects come in. And when the prospects come in, it's a little bit like a preseason football game. Balls were flying over the catcher. Balls were flying over second base when guys were stealing. It was crazy to watch. Cutoff guys were getting missed. It, It was just, it felt a lot like preseason football. And I've always thought that like the teams like John Snyder missed a couple times when he traded for Percy Harvin, when he traded for Jimmy Graham. But I thought the logic was right. I will always trade pick 26, 28, 31 for a proven player who can be a pro bowler right now. Now, part of it is money has to factor in like right now. Jalen Ramsey is available. And in years past, Devontae Adams was available. Tyreek Hill was available. If you can't afford to put those guys under contracts, because typically when you make the trade, Khalil Mack, you then have to extend them. If financially they make sense and you are drafting in the 20s, to me, it always makes sense to trade for those guys. Because I think it's a tried and true formula more often than not. Look at last year. I mean, the Raiders had a terrible season. It sure as hell wasn't Devontae's fault. Miami missed the playoffs. Tyreek, for a large percentage of the year to me, was like a top two or three MVP candidate. You're just not getting a player of those caliber, you know, at pick 28. So this draft, and listen, that that doesn't mean a guy that will be drafted 26 or 29 or 22 won't become a Pro Bowl player. Justin Jefferson went after after Jalen Rager, and he's probably a top two or three, him, Devontae, and Tyreek receiver in the league. But I don't think you can just count on that because we see a lot of guys drafted at that spot who never amount for anything, and you guarantee them four years on their contract. So, listen, I, I think most people, if you talk to in the league, would say, yeah, 15 to 17 players max first-round level talents in this draft. So we'll see. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is the name that comes to mind, but there will be others in the next week that come up that, you know, this guy might be available. Uh, it happens every year. We got new staffs at several teams. 
Uh, I would be sniffing around those type players for my late first round pick if I'm a playoff level team and I can't afford it. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen, and it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Listen, you can bet on the game any way you want. Straight up, aka Moneyline, point spreads, team totals, You can also do player props, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, covers it all. And so many more exclusive bets, like two times three. Two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. How fun is that? FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com, promo code Colin. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code Colin to learn more. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8- 
Hope NY or text Hope NY 467-369 New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-888-9789 Tennessee 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia I didn't know who Aubrey Marcus was until Aaron Rodgers went on his podcast uh, with the ayahuasca thing whatever that was I think during the season or during the bye week or whatever and then my girlfriend told me about him and other people. Once I, I posted something on Instagram, started firing in my DMs. And I, I understand like what Aubrey Marcus is. You know, obviously he's very successful in terms of his podcast and his reach. Like I, I, I get it. And, and I, I understand someone had DM'd me, uh, this week or I, it was last week that was staying either in Park City or Aspen and was like, you know, Someone at the front desk just told us that the people staying in like one of the rented out sweet places right next to us is Aubrey Marcus and Aaron Rodgers. And then when you watch some of the video from the Aubrey Marcus Aaron Rodgers podcast, you can tell they're they're in the snow, nice place. And and I'm sure if you listen to their podcast, I have not listened to it, but I watched several clips of it. And I found one thing very, very interesting. And it's obviously about Aaron coming out of the darkness, which I've said over and over. I'm pro ayahuasca. I would gladly try it. Uh, I don't have it, you know, on my to do list to go to South America, but I am not against it. And I, I, I originally, I think when that story broke, I, I probably going back sound like an idiot the way I talked about it because I, I would have no problem taking it. And I also have no problem anyone who looks to find some mental clarity in life. Like our, our most important attribute, unless you're like Usain Bolt or even Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, is your mental capacity, your, your mental frame of mind, like everything kind of revolves around upstairs. So whatever it takes to get that thing going, I, I get it. And one thing really resonated with me in one of the clips I saw that Aaron said, I've been saying for a while, he needs to be confidently come out and say, I want to play football and I want to play football for a while. Think about whoever, if, if you're listening to this and you're a big, you know, whoever your NFL team is, that head coach and that GM, or if you're you know, a big fan of LSU football or Alabama football or Georgia football or Ohio State football or Michigan football, to those head coaches in Power 5 college football and those head coaches and GMs in the NFL, football is number one. Obviously, like their wife or their kids, but I'm just saying their priority in life is football. Football means everything. It's why I'm a better podcaster than I ever was ever going to be in the NFL because I like football, but I'm not addicted to it. It was never going to be my life. It is Nick Saban's life. It is Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, Brett Veach, Howie Roseman's. It's their life. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, they eat, breathe, and sleep that shit. That's why their favorite players also fall under that category. So Aaron Rodgers, who I feel has kind of, listen, I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen. I I know we all wish he's probably have a little more success in the playoffs, especially if you're a Packer fan. But we all have to acknowledge when he's on one of the most special players we've seen over the last several decades. His talent is just immense. And when he's dialed in, it just doesn't get that much better. But it felt like it was like he wanted to be something that he's not. And it's like, bro, you're one of the great NFL quarterbacks of all time. And he told Aubrey, he said one thing that in the darkness that helped him just kind of get some clarity was like, instead of worrying so much about, I'm not just a football player, obviously something a lot of athletes, you know, push back against. Like I'm, I'm more than just a football player. 
Maybe just embrace, I am a football player. And honestly, in a weird way, and I'm not comparing myself to Aaron Rodgers in the sense of like way more talented at what he does than as talented at what I do for a profession. But I struggle with that sometimes. I was thinking about it once I heard him say that. People often ask me, you know, if I meet him on a golf course or, you know, out at dinner, having some cocktails at a bar or whatever, like, what do you do for a living? And I, I, I never have a smooth answer. It's like, well, I'm like in the internet space and, you know, I talk for a living. And instead of, why don't I just say I'm a fucking podcaster? You know, I've done pretty successful here, you know, making pretty good living. Life's going pretty well. And I always struggle. And I, I never just say, I'm a podcaster. And I know a lot of people, like if you just sell cars for a living it's and you're good at it, you're just like, yeah, I'm a car salesman, right? I'm a, I sell beer. I own a restaurant. And I clearly Rogers, like when you ask Tom Brady, like, what do you do for a living for 22 years? I'm a starting quarterback. Peyton Manning, I'm, a, I'm the starting quarterback for the culture of the Broncos. Took a lot of pride in like Tiger Woods. What do you do? I play pro golf and I kick everyone's ass. And it felt like Rogers was kind of on the fence. When I heard him say this, maybe he didn't get some clarity. Like, bro, you're one of the great quarterbacks of all time. You're 39, but 39 is like the old 34. You still are very healthy. You're still, you know, injury wise. You never really had any major ones. You just coming off a couple years ago, winning back to back MVPs. Like, just for a couple years, just go all in. You're not just a football player. You're one of the best fucking players ever. And if you just have that mindset and are confident in saying that, because again, I do struggle with the confidence because I, I don't know. Am I insecure that someone's going to look at me weird? Like, wait, you're a podcaster? Seriously? Why do I fucking care what this guy thinks? I might as well just say it. And it kind of inspired me. Every single person I meet from now on, I'm just going to say, I'm a podcaster. Because I never say that ever. And I'm asked all the time, because especially in golf, because I'm always playing with random guys. They're like, what do you do? And I, I struggle with it. And I, clearly, Rogers watching him talk, struggles with the mindset of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not just a football player. No, you are a football player. And you're luckily, it's 2023. And in the NFL, you're making hundreds of millions of dollars. Life couldn't be any better. And your football career will end at 43, 44. If you want to go sell real estate or sling stocks or run a cannabis company or sling ayahuasca, you can do whatever you want. You know, but really embrace what you have because what you have, is pretty special. And if he is gives some clarity to these other teams, because again, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, football means everything. The Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, like they have given their life to the sport. So someone who's going to trade for you, given how much money you make, they have to feel confident making this move because there are already some rumors like Vegas, Josh McDaniels and Ziegler are already a little unsure whether it's worth it. It's like, well, I, I do understand because Rogers kind of waffles like he's on the fence and these no one in the NFL is on the fence that they're not. I, I, I've been around them. They're addicted to football. Football is 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 life. So when Rogers and, and to most quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, it feels like it means everything to him. And, you know, that doesn't really feel like that with Rogers. But he kind of admitted, like, maybe it should because he definitely prepares and, you know, with the seasons and when he's dialed in, it does mean a lot to him. It just feels sometimes in the offseason these last couple of years, he gets in these weird places. And maybe this darkness retreat was good for him. We're about to find out. <laughs> DJ and the Giants. I, I watched a couple of interviews with Joe Shane. And I think there's a date next Tuesday where it's like the final date to extend your own players and the franchise tag for Daniel Jones. And I think... Uh, he basically said, obviously, they got two players that they want to keep 
in Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, but you can't franchise multiple guys. In a perfect world, they would sign Daniel Jones and franchise Saquon Barkley. But here's the problem with Daniel Jones. Changes his agent. I'm sure the agent is telling him you're a $35, $40 million quarterback. And I was thinking about it today. Like Daniel Jones, I I looked up how old he was. He's 25 years old. So a lot like Alex Smith, who really kind of came into his own around 30, Daniel Jones' career was like almost headed toward the toilet. It, It was not going well. And Brian Dayball didn't just resurrected it, but made him very, very respectable and made him viewed as a pretty good player. And the quarterback position naturally is inflated, right? The top guys are worth every penny, but Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, (laughs) they're not worth what they're actually making. They're just not. Like a $45 million quarterback, to me, has to be like a lock MVP top three candidate every single year. Aaron Rodgers forever, Tom Brady forever, Peyton Manning forever, Patrick Mahomes now forever, what Joe Burrow is becoming. Like, I I can't pay you $40 million if you're like, oh, he's the 13th best quarterback. Like, I just, it it, it doesn't add up. Though, my franchise, like Dak, I'm going to make money. People always like, middle kind for too hard on Dak. Yeah, regular season wise, but if I pay a guy $40 million, I want to feel pretty good that I can win playoff games. And do we feel good about Dak winning playoff games? I watched him throw a couple picks against the 49ers. I would not. But I was thinking about Daniel Jones, like his value right now is pretty solid because he's a high level guy and it showed you with good coaching. He can be a very, you know, he could be a above average quarterback. Why not sign like a two year contract? Be like, hey, listen, I'll play two years. Let's do like, you know, two years, 30 million dollars or 60 million dollars. Guarantee me like 40, but you or, or 50, you know, so it's. You know, we're not locking ourselves in long term. We're not signing some outrageous contract. But I believe in this coach. I know you really value me. I know you guys like me. I know the ownership likes me. And then give me a couple years. Give you guys the opportunity to bring in some more talent around me. Because clearly right now, I wouldn't say we're inept, but we're definitely not, you know, Mario Manningham and Steve Smith and Jeremy Shockey. And Victor Cruz ain't walking through that door. So we need to improve around me. I can make some pretty big money right now. But then in two years, you don't, I'll sign a shorter term deal, but you don't have the ability to franchise tag me. And then I become a good player. And then I try to break the bank in a couple of years. Because right now, my thing would be if I'm the Giants. Now, ultimately, I want to get it done because I'd like to keep Saquon short term too on the franchise tag. But I cannot afford to overpay this guy. I, I can't. Maybe in a couple of years, he's proven that he's worth more money. But right now, I don't know that for sure. And I just, who's paying him? Like, I, I do think he would get paid on the open market, right? He would start for the Panthers. He could start for Tampa Bay. He would start for the Colts. But what are they actually paying him? Like, yeah, they'd want that guy, but they're giving that guy $35 million. I Like, Jason Light's going to go from Tom Brady to Daniel Jones, make more money than Tom Brady just made. The, the Frank Reich in his first year at a new franchise is going to stake like his reputation now after those couple years to Daniel Jones. Hard to see. Shane Steichen, after kicking this guy's ass a couple times, being on the other side with the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to pay him with the Colts. I, I, it's hard to see. So you go, listen, we got to find some mutual ground. And I do think if you're Daniel Jones, it behooves you to stay and work something out, but go short term. Because then in a couple years, they add some talent around you your statistics look a lot better. You make the playoffs again. All of a sudden, you're viewed. Right now, we respect you, but maybe in a couple of years, like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. This guy could be like Kirk Cousins, an athletic version. 
And we know how much those type players make. But right now, based on the one year of respectability, it, it would be hard for me to cut him a big check. Let's go a little rapid fire around the league. One thing, uh, if you're a Cowboy fan, you, you've seen the quotes. Mike McCarthy, who, do you know what's funny about Mike McCarthy? Who says, I just, you know, he kind of took some shots at, at Kellen Moore. Said, I just want to run the damn ball. It's not about being number one in offense. It's about being the number one team, which you want to be the number one offense. You were a couple years ago and you had a home playoff game. It wasn't, you know, you lost, but you're the number one offense in the league. Is that one thing that bothers me about Mike, and this bothers me about any head coach who blames a coordinator, but specifically a head coach who blames the offensive coordinator. I wanted him to run more. I wanted him to pass more whether he says it after the game or after the season, I think that's pretty simple. You are the boss. Now, Mike did not hire Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is a Jerry Jones guy. So when Mike got the job, he was, you know, let's face it, mandated to not only keep Kellen Moore, but maintain him as the play caller, which is part of life. You know, until you sign the checks, you don't get to set all the rules of a company. And you want to be the head coach of the Cowboys? You're going to have to listen to Jerry a little bit. But when Kellen Moore, in let's say a given game situation, is not doing what you want him to do, you you are the head coach. And you can get on the headset and go, hey, Kellen, let's call a run here. Or, hey, Kellen, let's call this play here. Now, there's a difference between micromanaging your assistants and kind of dictating what you want as the boss. So I feel little to no sympathy that Mike McCarthy is bitching and moaning. So to me, this is either just a terrible look, and in a weird way, McCarthy has this like immaturity to him, or what would be even scarier. When I was my first year in the NFL, we lost to the Packers in the playoff game. That was the year they won the Super Bowl. It was the Mike Vick and Rodgers, I mean, became kind of a legend and never looked back. Like his stardom shot off. The knock on Mike McCarthy then and all through the Aaron Rodgers run of the 2010s, and Packer fans will know this, was he got very pass happy. He did not run the ball, which was ironic in that game when we lost to him with the Eagles was James Starks had a big game on the ground. And they were not a running team, just like they never really were during the 2010s. And I always thought like there was a softness to them, even though I'm pretty sure it was Ted who drafted Eddie Lacy, who had a kind of a, a couple moments for the Packers, but they never just had this reliable run game. Because what does a reliable run game give to you? A physical element to your team, right? And there was always a softness with the Packers. Check his stats over his career with the Packers, where he was the play caller the majority of it. They were very pass-happy. They were never a top 10 rushing offense. The majority of the times, they were in the 20s when it came to rush attempts. So this notion that Mike McCarthy just wants to run the damn ball, like did he just wake up a different human being? The one thing that would be scary if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, is this Jerry Jones? Is this what Jerry wants? Is this what Jerry's telling him to say? Because when was Jerry's greatest moments? In the 90s. Well, what did his teams have? The greatest offensive line and one of the great running backs. Now we can debate Emmitt Smith where he rakes on the hierarchy obviously the all-time leading rusher, and they ran the ball down people's throats. It was a huge point of difference for their team. Maybe that's Jerry talking through Mike. I don't know, but that would be scary because Mike's actions have never been run happy. If anything, he's the opposite. 
he's much closer to Andy Reid in terms of passing the ball as his primary source of you know offense than he is the Shanahan family, which would be run heavy. There was a story. I, I love that the NFLPA is creating content for us, and this story was fantastic. They gave a survey to all the players in the NFL about different elements of a team from the you know cafeteria to the training room to the trainers to the weight room to team travel and they basically gave i'm sure a lot of people listening to this have seen this then they like published this study of different grades so like you know you, your training staff could be an a everyone on the team loved them some people's team travel was like an f obviously dan snyder's team was like the lowest graded team in the league which no one's really shocked but one team that is getting just drug right now on the internet, as the kids would say, or dragged, drugged, I guess they're not getting drugged, they're getting dragged, would be the Arizona Cardinals and Michael Bidwell. And two things really stood out. One, he charges players to eat, and if they take food home with them, they are docked their paycheck. And then in the offseason, if they're in there working out, they get charged for meals. Now, the Bidwell family and the Arizona Cardinals are notoriously cheap. And I can only speak to what it was like when I, Jeffrey Lurie, the way he treated players and coaches during the season. When training camp began till the end of the season, breakfast, lunch, and dinner was free for the scouts, the coaches, and the players. In the offseason, it was like $5. You know, for for breakfast and lunch, they didn't serve dinner because most people aren't working till like midnight, right? During, you know, even during the draft time, if we were going to meetings, we'd order food. But the notion that you're charging players during the season to take food home, I lived. I mean, my first two years, my first year, I think I made 20 grand. My second year, I made 40. I took food home year round every single night. Every single night, I took food home with me. Because it was just an incredible deal. Here's my main problem. And I have a fundamental issue with rich people who are cheap, especially those that inherit their money. I understand if you come from nothing and you're cheap, it's the way you're wired and then you make it. It's just ingrained in you. But once you have a lot of money, being cheap on little stuff, when you are, it's one thing like if you're listening right now and you're worth $10 million and you don't pay for like Apple Music or Pandora. You listen with the ads. <clears throat> like I don't think that's that weird. I I don't I don't pay for ad free music. Like I I listen to Pandora and it gives me ads. And honestly, I kind of like it because it lets me hear new songs, what's kind of playing for the people out there. Uh I easily could afford ad free Apple. I don't do it. But if I had a company and everyone at that company was you know, through the company got like was listening to Pandora or Apple Music and it was on me whether to, you know, pay whatever, a hundred bucks for my five, ten, whatever people to have ad free music, be a line item. These NFL teams now get hundreds of millions of dollars every single year just for the television rights. When I went to the uh spring training game the other day at the Dodgers, their stadium is right by State Farm. Uh, where the Super Bowl was, where the Arizona Cardinals play. Kind of out in, you know, BFE in Glendale, who I actually think has kind of got a chance to be, reminds me a little bit of like Sacramento 20 years ago, place might boom. 
might might buy an investment property there if business keeps going well because I, I think there's a lot of growth uh, potential there. But you see the stadium, it's massive. And obviously the Cardinals make a lot of money. This guy who comes from a very cheap guy, but now has wealth that the family never thought they would have, doesn't even get like, what are you actually saving by charging them $10 to take a, you know, a box of salad, chicken, some pasta home on a, you know, Buda Baker and DeAndre Hopkins taking some grub home at 630 at night after they watch some film Wednesday and Thursday. Think how stupid that is. This is not, you know, thousand dollar individual instances. This is such small potatoes. It's such small level thinking. It doesn't bother me. Some of these teams that have older facilities, you know, their weight room, you know, relative to these college weight rooms is not the same. If you went to the University of Tennessee or the University of Texas or USC or, you know, University of Oregon, their weight room is going to blow away basically every operation in the NFL, except maybe Vegas and the Cowboys. Well, what did those two teams do? They just built brand new facilities a couple years ago. Most of these facilities are a little bit older. They have clearly more than enough, you know, equipment there to handle it, but they're not there to recruit you, right? Do they have enough cold tubs and spas? If they do, like, I, I don't need to go above and beyond if I have everything they're equipped to make sure my players, a lot of these guys coming from these Power 5 programs are going to downgrade under on size. And let's face it, a lot of the reason that stuff's in college is strictly for recruiting. But if you are nitpicking on stuff like food, I mean, like the, kind of the lifeblood of your guys, or you know, weight room staff, or training staff, or paying the doctors, then I think you're a fucking loser. And Bidwell charging these guys to eat during the season is an embarrassment. And it's just such small-time thinking. Uh, last but not least, there was a story on Pro Football Talk that there was a uh, a basically like a wage freeze on executives and a lot of people in NFL buildings. I think this encompasses scouts. And I'm biased here. But in a league that pays random assistant wide receiver coaches 150 grand, assistant offensive line coaches 150 grand, average wide receiver and tight end coaches three four hundred thousand dollars, scouts do not make that much money. There are a ton of road scouts that make eighty five ninety five thousand dollars. Yet you have coaches who stink at their job. That make three hundred and fifty, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. I get the going rate for a coordinator is seven figures, but let's face it: how many coordinators, offensive and defense, are good in the NFL? Less than half. So if there's thirty-two offensive coordinators and there's thirty-two defensive coordinators, so sixty-four. How many of those guys, if you just polled fans, the GM and the owner, do you feel really good about total thirty? So the, they throw around money. Like it's nothing. And this goes back to the Bidwell. The amount of money these teams are making is astronomical. And the lifeblood of your organization are the people, aka the players, right? And who is at the front lines finding information out about these players? I'm not saying some road scout should be paid $900,000. But having done other jobs and been, you know, around advertisers now and people in different corporations, 
And I always thought this when I first got into the NFL, when I was making forty, fifty thousand dollars, you know, at 27, 28, 29 years old, and I had friends clearing 150 and then these big bonuses. I'm like, God, I, I am in the wrong profession here. Is that I think the scouting community is very, very underpaid. Obviously, GMs make a lot, and depending on the team, maybe the number two guy makes a lot. But I think the going rate, if you're a road scout or a national scout, I don't see how that guy isn't worth, if, if he's decent at his job, $200,000, dollars $250,000. It's a very, very difficult job. You spend so much time on the road, driving city to city. But this notion that the higher, you know, uh, wage freeze, you see what all these coaches are getting paid all over the league. There's no wage freeze on those guys. How many guys that were just hired on all these different teams are any good? What are the chances that the majority of coaches for the Arizona Cardinals stink? <laughs> I mean, probably pretty high. And they're all getting 400000 This guy's getting 600000 Both coordinators are making a million. The head coach is making seven. And you can't pay the guy that covers the, uh, you know, the SEC three hundred grand. I mean, you're just going to draft multiple players from that conference every single year. Don't you want the guy on the front lines that knows all the coaches? Like, don't you want that guy well compensated? Don't you get in life what you pay for? Um, I, I think it's really, really embarrassing, to be honest with you, that the wage gap of the coaches. And listen, a, a valuable coach, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, all, all the, the, I, I'm not talking about them. But the amount of assistant coaches in this league who couldn't sniff what they're making in any other profession is would blow your mind. And listen, it's the market value. But I don't understand how the market value of, of assistant coaches has dwarfed the scouting community. It, it, it honestly is kind of a joke. And I feel for all my scouts out there. Have a good weekend. Enjoy your family. Stay warm because it's cold a lot of places right now. It's freezing where I'm at. And I will talk to everyone soon. Mailbag out this weekend. Adios. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.